Redeemer Church, so we can love and assist you in any way. Don't hesitate to ask. We have been going through the book of Genesis. Um, now we have um, made it to chapter 23 today. Uh, what I'm hoping to accomplish today is from 23 to 25. So open up your Bible to Genesis. Um, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And uh, we're going to be looking at verse 23 through 25. And as you turn there, let, let me kind of bring you up the part of like what's going on. So we have a Bible. The Bible has 66 books in it. You have 39 books in the Old Testament. You also have 27 in the New Testament. And the Old Testament shows us that how sin came into the world, um, you know, cancer, all these bad things came into the world. The Old Testament tells us about it when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Anger, depression, all those things came into the world when sin came into the world. And so the Old Testament shows us that sin came into the world. But the Old Testament also shows that one day it was a Savior that's going to come. He's going to turn things back around and make things good. And so the New Testament talks about this Savior that came, which is Jesus. He came to make everything right. For those who are depressed, they, what? they can lean on him. For those who are dealing with anger, they can finally trust in him. And so, but before we get there to the New Testament, today we're going to actually look at the actual Old Testament to, uh, with, with Abraham. So let me read a couple verses. And what we're going to do is we'll focus, and I kind of bring it back in to show you what we're going to actually focus on today. So in Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read a couple verses. I'm going to do the same thing in 24 and 25. It says in Genesis 23, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of, of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Karath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Abraham went in, went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So Sarah just died, Abraham's wife. Look at verse, chapter 24, verse, starting verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advancing years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand on my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of the heaven, the God of earth, that you would not take. Satan always hating on me, ain't he? All right. That I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of the heavens and the God of the earth, that you would not take a wife for my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindreds and take a wife for my son. The last one we're going to read is verse chapter 25. Um, Starting verse 7. These are the days and years of Abraham, 175 years. And Abraham breathed his last and died in, all, in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And so let me pray for us. And you might ask, how does this stuff doesn't make sense? Like what is going on? You read these verses, doesn't make sense. So let me pray for us. And I'm going to try to explain it to you here today. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Um, we thank you for your goodness, Lord, to bring us back another Lord's Day. To be here um, in your word, to be here with your people. Lord, we ask you to bless this time. Let your word, Lord, dwell in us richly. Um, Lord, I am weak. Um, I need your strength. Help me, Lord, to lead your people faithfully, that your people, Lord, can grow in your word, that people can embrace your word, that they can enjoy your word, 
and for them, Lord, to see that your word is what gives life. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us at this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Earlier this year, you guys remember about a couple weeks ago, um, a guy named OBJ, Odell Beckham, um, he played in the Super Bowl, his first Super Bowl ever. Right before that, months before leading up to the Super Bowl, he played on the team called the, the Cleveland Browns. I know we have a couple of Cleveland Browns fans in here. He played for the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Browns was giving up on him. He wasn't the best receiver on the team. The team had put out articles that he was a distraction to the team. They even said that he's so flashy that he brings attention to himself and not to the Brown organization. They said we even wasted so much money on this young man. So the word Odell Beckham, he saw for himself is that, that all these disparities happen, that they're not playing him. The team does not want to invest into him. We thought his career was almost over. Then all of a sudden, you see, late in the season, it was a trade that happened. OBJ get traded to the Los Angeles Rams. And so we saw one area of, this, uh, 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 of anxiety for him. We saw one area of frustration for him. Then we also see him get traded to the Rams. And things sound good. The Rams made this amazing journey to the actual Super Bowl. Amazing journey. And part of the journey with Odell Beckham, he was able to, to prove to the world that he's not a distraction, that he is a really good receiver. He was showing to the world that he can do what he said he's capable to do and what he did at LSU. So what did he do? He went out in the Super Bowl the first quarter, you guys noticed. They went down the field. I think he had a couple passes, a couple catches. They couldn't stop the kid. The kid had, was in his element. He's in his zone, y'all would say, right? The kid was getting it. He was doing very well. Then all of a sudden... We saw what happened. He messed around and he tweaked this. I think it was, a, was it was an ACL. It was an ACL injury. You think that everything was going well for him? Then another tragedy happened. A tragedy happened when he was at the Brown. Now the biggest game in the world. A tragedy happened. You might ask the question, why is that? Why, when one tragedy happened, things go well, then another tragedy happened in life. They had me thinking about one coach. I think a coach named Jarnisha early in the season when she coached a little league team. And early in the season, the team struggled. The kids didn't know how to dribble a ball. They didn't know what was going on. Adversity was all around. All of a sudden, she put some drills in. The kids started learning how to play. Then a week or so ago, they lost the game. Then the next week, they won a game. Why is life a roller coaster, y'all? And not just even speaking about those illustrations, what about other illustrations? I have gotten a phone call with some family members this week. They, they got cancer. They, they feel like they're doing all the right things. They're trying to come up, but now cancer came. Do y'all feel that way sometimes? Like, it seems like you're trying to do well, but tragedy continue to happen. If that's you, you're not alone. The same thing happened with the life of a God in the Bible named Abraham. Abraham was a God that the Lord called out of this pagan land, this unbelieving land. God called Abraham to this land, a land that where Abraham can eventually be a father of many nations. But it wasn't easy for him. God promised Abraham he's going to have a son. But the son did never come. It took too long for that son to come. If God promised him something, he asked God, God, where is it at? Some of you guys might ask the same question, God. You said you're going to do this for me, but it's not happening right. 
Abraham in the same way, asking the same question that you have asked in the past. God, if you're going to do this, why is it not happening? So God said he's going to give him a child. So Abraham, he didn't want to trust the Lord, so he put it in his own hand. So what did they do? Abraham married Sarah, maidservant. And they had a child named Ishmael. But Abraham should have waited on the Lord to have a child with his wife. I think we all can relate to that. When God is not working fast enough for us, we put things in our own hands. Look back at all the mistakes we made in our lives. All the mistakes we made because it might have been loneliness. It might have been anger. And we put it in our own hands and say, hey, this person did this to me. I got to get this person back. And, stop, and not understanding that vengeance is the Lord's. So Abraham, in his life, it's the same similar way of what we're going through. So today we're going to learn about some more things that happened to Abraham. The first thing in point number one we're going to see is that his wife is going to die now. Sarah death and the burial of Sarah. Abraham has been with his wife now since he has been called out of earth. He has faced so many tragedies not being able to have a child. Not being in the land of promise. But now he hit with another tragedy. His wife is taken away from him. How is he going to respond to this? It says in the text right here to Abraham responds by weeping. It's like everything is going good. Isaac is born, but now his wife is taken away. And he asks again, is that why does God allow this to happen? It seems like everything is going good. Now his wife is taken away. Now he mourns. He mourns in a way. When a person mourns, the person is overwhelmed with anxiety. It's out of their control. that They cannot control what's happening around them. And so with Abraham, he's so consumed with what is happening, and he cannot come up out of this slump. And what we see here again, that God is going to do something. Tony Evans says this, sometime life is going to hit you with a balled up fist. And you may sway, but if Jesus and his word are your anchor, your foundation, you're going to come back. Sometimes Satan is going to hit you. But if, you Christ, but if Christ and his word are your foundation, you will come back. Even though you may rock a little bit, how do I know? Because greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. Amen, that's right. So what happens? What happens when a team is down several different points? You might have a coach that's yelling back and forth, even sit down on the other side of the team, right? Doing a game in frustration. But what has happened, though, in the times like that, when things are so difficult? What do people learn in those moments? They learn how to fight through adversity. A lot of times, people think a loss makes them. Sometimes we need losses in life, don't we? Losses sets us up for other things in life. Losses sets us up to bring out who we really are. Sometimes we want the easy route in life. We want to be able to say that I want to be this in life and just be able to wake up and be there tomorrow. But what did God do? God shapes and fashions us. He brings obstacles in our way to make us better, to make us how to deal with adversity, to be in long suffering in the midst of trials. So how does an athlete be better? They work through trials. They work through the hard work and the pain. That's what makes them better. 
They work through adversity to make them better. And the same thing will God do for his people in the church. He give them adversity to be better Christians. He give them adversity. So what happened to Abraham? Abraham loses his wife. You might ask the question, why did God take his wife? God takes things at times by his own glory. And why do you do it? To show Abraham he can trust the Lord. Sometimes we want the Lord to just give us all these things. But the Lord give us adversity for us to trust him more. Not only that, Abraham's wife dies. Now it's time to bury his wife. And guess who the places around him? It's the Hittites. The Hittites don't like Abraham. The Hittites don't like the people of God. But Abraham now has to face them asking them for land to bury his wife from. It don't stop, does it? It, it seems like adversity doesn't stop. But what did God do? God went before him. God went before him, and God was able to soften the heart of the Hittites to give Abraham a land to bury his wife in. So I say this, family, is that Abraham, he continued to trust in the Lord, and the Lord provided for him. If Abraham, if the Lord brought for Abraham, family, he would provide for us. The second thing we see with Abraham, look at point number two, Isaac and Rebecca in marriage. We see in point number two here is that Isaac now, Abraham's son. If Abraham, you're thinking about it, that Abraham is going to be the promised seed, that Jesus is going to come through the lineage of Abraham, that means Abraham has to have a son. And his son is going to have to marry to have a child. But if his son never marries, how would Jesus come into the world? We know Jesus come later, right, in the New Testament. And you look through the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, Isaac is in there. Isaac is in the genealogy. How is Isaac in the genealogy? It's because of Isaac is married to Rebecca here in point number two. But what did Abraham do? Abraham had anxiety again. He had anxiety. His wife passed away, he mourned. But now we see in chapter 24, he has anxiety now that his son is not married. How would Jesus come if his son is never married? So what did God do now? God raised up a servant here. It tells us in verse, uh, verse 7 in chapter 24. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from the father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. So Abraham's servant went to Nahar and prayed this in verse 12. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, Please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my servant, my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men in the city are coming out and draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her, the one who, whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac, by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. And before he finished praying, Rebecca appeared and served to the servant water. Um, and this time, I know some of you guys might say a dime piece, that she a bad chick or something like that. 
Well, Rebecca was that beautiful woman in her day. She was the one that came to the water here and that all of a sudden the servant had eyes on her that this is the woman for Isaac right here at this moment. Rebecca was the brother of Laban. And so Abraham had to find a wife or the servant had to find a wife for Abraham's son within the actual the people of God. God didn't want to marry outside of that. You know the story say unequally yoke. God didn't want to marry outside of that for them to be able to be carried away with idolatry. So God wanted them to marry within the people of God. And so what happened here is that the servant meets Rebecca. And when it meets Rebecca is that Rebecca is, is approached by the servant. And the servant didn't waste any time. The servant said, I'm trying to find a wife for Isaac. And how did the family respond in verse 50? Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebecca is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. The promise now will continue through Isaac. Rebecca family said, yes, marry, marry Rebecca. What Abraham thought in the past is that his son was not going to marry. The Lord provide for him a marriage now. You guys seeing the trend here? You guys seeing the trend? How when anxiety and depression happened, the Lord continued providing for us. And you see right here, even with Isaac, the Lord provides a wife for him. And the last point we get is right here, point number three. Abraham, death, and his descendants. Last, we now learn the death of Abraham. But before we learn his death, that Abraham got another wife before he actually died after Sarah's death. He had many more kids. Abraham lived 175 years, which is about 45 years after Sarah's death. Then he breathed his last breath and he died. Which now shows that the story now continued through Isaac. From Abraham faced trials like all of us. And you notice, he didn't stop facing trials all the way to death. Family, why do we think we're going to get a pass? It's no exemption from trials. It's no exemption from trials in life. And the reason why trials are in life because the world have rebelled against God. Sin has came into the world. But God uses a depraved and fallen world for his own glory. You guys remember the story of Joseph when his brother sold him into slavery? When the brother sold him to slavery, the brother was trying to get back at him because he was the favorite child of the son. Now, what did Joseph say at the end of this, all this story? What they meant for bad or for worse for me, God meant it for good. God used Joseph to prepare a way for his brothers later on in life. He does the same thing for Abraham. He does the same thing for us. So for all of us in this room going through different situations, I don't know what you're going through. God allowed trials to happen for us to see him. Sometimes we need to get stopped in our tracks. Sometimes we're so focused on money. We're so focused on everything else in the world. And sometimes we need something to stop us in the track for get our glaze back on the Lord. And that's what we see here in this text with Abraham. That God allowed all these things to happen for Abraham to trust him. 
And it shows it right here that Abraham wasn't exempt. That trial's going to continue to happen. But my question for you today is, what are you going to make of your trials? Are you going to complain about them? Are you going to look your trials in the face and say, Lord, what are you showing me about myself right now? Mm. A lot of time we spend trying to find all the answers during trials. But I encourage you during trials to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you showing me about myself? Am I trusting you right now? What are you trying to grow me to be in life? What are you trying to mold me to be in life? What are you doing in my life? Because it don't matter what hater that's around you, no matter what that cousin is always gossiping about you around you, no matter who that person is, family, they can't harm you if you're truly in Christ. God uses that negativity to make you more like him. So my question is, what are you learning through adversity right now? That phone call you got yesterday, the phone call you got this past week, Somebody ain't paid you back. What are you learning that moment? Are you learning so much money, so much time to get that money back? If you're gambling, yes. But of others, what are you spending most of that time doing? You should spend most of that time saying, Lord, what are you showing me about myself? This money right here, or whatever case I want to get back right now, it's not that important what you have for me. So are you learning to trust the Lord more? If not, you're missing on your purpose and trials. Let's end off with some application here. Do you marvel at God's protection over his people? God even uses those that meant for evil for our growth in him. Let's go back to OBJ. What the brown showed him was, it showed him how to work harder, right? It, it showed him to get back into the lab. It showed him to get back into to the weight, uh, to the uh, locker room to, to work out. It showed him what it means to work harder and harder and harder. Family, as Christians, as believers in Christ, adversity should show us how to work harder to trust him. So God will always turn things around for us. We must... Continue working hard for him. Application number two. Do you trust the promise no matter how difficult it may seem? No matter how difficult, do you trust the promise? God promises us that he would never leave us, forsake us. Do we trust the believe? Do we truly believe that? If we truly believe that he would not ever leave us or forsake us, no trials can overwhelm us and overtake us. We can look forward to all that we have in Christ. So maybe we trust the promises of God over our earthly fears. And point number three, Abraham's life shows us the typical life of the Christian. So many churches, so many people believe in the prosperity thing. The more money you give to the church, the more things you do to the church, the better your life be. It's not true, fam. It's not true. Because many of you guys have gave a lot of money to the church. That doesn't exempt you from trials, does it? No, it doesn't. But I say this right here, that we're all going to go through it. But for those that are in Christ, we see trials are for our good. For those that are not in Christ, we don't see trials for our good. 
We take it in our own hands, we make a mess of it every time. But the Lord says, no, when you see trials, knowing that I'm moving and I'm shaping you to be something totally in what you are now. He growing you, fam. He growing you through all of it. So may we trust God's faithfulness in difficult times. And for those of you here that a lot of stuff might not make sense, it might not make sense what I said. Let, let me give you a kind of a synopsis of what's happening here. Uh, God created a perfect world. Everything was good in this world. It was perfect. God created mankind. God, well, but before God created mankind, God existed by himself. It was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit by himself. It wasn't a heaven. It wasn't a hell. It was God by himself. But God in his goodness, God created a heaven. He created a people to see what already existed from eternity past. So God created a world for people to see him. And so we were created to see God's glory. We wasn't created to make things about ourselves. We were created to see God's glory. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they made it about themselves. And for all of us in this room come from Adam and Eve, for us coming to the world, we make everything about ourselves. Even a baby that's one years old. You don't have to teach a baby how to be selfish, do you? If a baby want a bottle... Right? He's going to do what he takes to get that bottle, isn't he? He's going to continue what? Crying. He's going to cry and cry and cry until he get the bottle. Who taught that baby that? Most of the time his mama teaches him most of it. But, um, but mostly, though, he learned from work and of himself. A baby wants things his way coming into this world. That if you don't check that he turned three years old, or she turned three, year old, three years old, she wants things their way. Six years old. 10 years old, 15 years old, 18, they think want things themselves because sin came into this world. But what did God do? God saw what happened when mankind sinned against him. God had a plan from eternity past. Since they made things about themselves, I'm going to come into this world, I'm going to make the things about my father. So Jesus came into the world just like all of us. He lived just like all of us in a way of he got tempted by the same thing we got tempted in. But Jesus didn't trust in of himself and give in to the flesh, but Jesus trusted his father. Amen. So Jesus did what we should call, what we called to do. But the crazy thing about it, he would put to death. What did he do to be put to death? Family, we should have been one to be put to death. We all in this room to sin. Yes, the pastor is sin. We all have fell short of God's glory. We all have done these certain things, but Jesus dies, right? Why did he die? The reason why he died, because it tells us in the scriptures, in Corinthians 5.21, Jakara, for he made him to be sin who knew no sin. The father made him to be sin. Jesus tasted the sins of his people upon himself. They call it a greatest change. You think about someone that has a basketball or someone that has a football in their hand. One person might have a football. One person might have a basketball. They say the football represents our sins. The basketball represents God's perfect life. So what did God do? God has changed us. God takes the football and he gives the basketball to us. What does that represent? God gives us his life and he takes our sinful life. Isn't that beautiful? Is that he doesn't hold us back to anything else. Every belief system in the world, if it's Muslims or any belief system, they're saying that they can work themselves to God. Jesus said, no, I come down to you. You don't have to work yourself to me. I come to you. 
Just believe in me. And what happened is that he takes your sins and he nails it to the cross. And you bear it no more. Do you mess up? Yes. We all in this room mess up. But he doesn't hold it anymore. That football, which is your sin, had nailed and is gone forever. But that basketball, which is the life of Jesus, the perfect life of Jesus, is with us forevermore. Isn't that good news? That we get Jesus' life, we get it forevermore. And that's what comes into the world. And he tastes us and he keeps us through that until he brings us home to the glorious day. Let me pray for us as we end and do Lord's Supper.